Good morning, everyone. It's not the way I expected to be talking to you this morning. Um, Beck and I are at home isolating. Neil's uh, got COVID and uh, Lynn and Neil are fostering a little baby, so please pray for them at the moment. Uh, it's frustrating to be doing church like this, but that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about this morning. What do you do with frustration? When, when you find yourself in a position where you don't know what to do or you can't actually do anything, what do you do in that place? I don't like that place. I am used to knowing where I'm going, to be able to do what I want to do, when I want to do it. And I find it uh, frustrating to not be able to do the things I want. As Australian Christians, we're used to living with privilege and freedom and victory in Jesus. So over the last few years, we've had to come to grips with the reality of living with uncertainty and frustration and not being able to do what we want to do. As disciples of Jesus, what do we do with these things? What do you do when you don't know what to do? How do you follow Jesus when you don't know where to go? Or what do you do when you found yourself unable to do anything? These are really deep questions, questions that God's people have grappled with constantly whilst living in Egypt, whilst wandering the desert, while living in exile. What do we do in a foreign land? How can we worship God here? David had that experience of living with uncertainty and hiding out in the desert from Saul. The disciples faced really challenging times. Uh, on the way up to Jerusalem, where they were certain that they were going towards death, in the boat in the middle of the storm, Jesus was arrested and gave up his freedom and opportunity. He grappled with handing things over in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said to Peter, Peter, as a young man, you used to go where you wanted to go and do what you needed, wanted to do. But as an old man, people are going to tie your hands and they're going to lead you to a place that you don't want to go. And then he said, follow me. So again, how do you follow Jesus when you don't know where to go? Or when you find yourself in a place where you can't do anything, a place where you don't want to be? How do we live there? Let me share with you one of my all-time favourite movie scenes. It's from The Lord of the Rings, and it talks about this thing of not knowing where to go and facing dark times. Wish none of this had happened. So do all who 
live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides the will of evil. Bilbo was meant to find the ring, in which case you also were meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought. That way. He's remembered. No. But the air doesn't smell so foul down here. If you aren't in the airlock, always follow your nose. No one wants to see dark times. In life, it's inevitable that we'll face these things. It's not an if, it's a reality. It's an outcome of following Jesus in a world that's broken. We will face frustration. The whole of creation is groaning in anticipation of the kingdom of God being revealed and we groan and suffer with it. We will face frustration. We will face challenges. We will face trials. It's not unusual. Facing uncertainty isn't something that we need to ask why about. Ours is not to question why. Ours is to decide what to do with the time given to us. The question is, how do we follow Jesus here? This morning, I want to share with you three things. I want you to know three things about following Jesus in these uncertain times. You need to know who you are. You need to know um, how to wait and wait well. And you need to know how to cultivate a healthy attitude while you wait. You need to know who you are. One of, the, one of the great gifts of trials and frustrations is that it reveals to us the truth of who we are. Better than anything else, frustrations and trials strip away all the superficial stuff and get down to the foundation of who we are. You see, we get used to privilege, freedom, and independence. We're used to doing what we want to do. We inevitably tie our identity up with the things that we do and the things that we have. But the truth is, we aren't defined by those things. We aren't even independent. We're not able to just do whatever we want. The fact is, we are completely dependent upon God for even our next breath. The life, the freedoms, the blessings that we have isn't ours by rights. It's actually something that is a gift from God. We haven't earned it. We don't control it. God in his grace has given us every good thing. The very heartbeat that we have is a gift from God. Now, that's true of the whole of creation, but for us who are Christians in particular, it takes on special significance because we have been adopted by God back into his family. It says in 1 Corinthians, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. It says in Ephesians, because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The gift of God to us is life in Jesus Christ. We share in the life of Jesus. It's not something we have earned. It's not something we have deserved. It is something that God graciously has given us. He gives us every good thing. Everything we have is a gift. We share in the life of Jesus. And because we share in the life of of Jesus, we share in his sufferings. That's who we are. In times of frustration, God wants to bring us back to that truth, to remind us that we are in Christ Jesus. We share in everything in him through grace, not from ourselves. And nothing can take that away from us. When we embrace that reality, we stop trying to fix things in our own strength. We stop trying to escape them. And we can come to terms with the fact that in every situation, we're dependent on God and we can rely on our uh, identity in him. He is Lord. He is good. And we can trust him. As it says in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. So when the disciples found themselves out in a vicious storm on the lake, they called out to Jesus and said, don't you care that we're about to drown? And Jesus stood up. He rebuked the winds and the waves and they were calm. Then he turned to the disciples and he rebuked them and said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? What did they doubt? They had forgotten who they were. They had forgotten who Jesus was. And they'd forgotten God's goodness and faithfulness. God is our faithful father. We're his beloved children. Circumstances can't change that. In Christ, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He is our good shepherd. They had forgotten and lost faith in the fact that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, even if the supermarket runs out of food and the hospitals fill up, we can be sure and secure that in Christ we have our most essential need. We are children of God. He is our Father and we can trust him no matter what else we face. When we face trials, we need to remember our identity as children of God by grace through God's goodness. Second thing we need to know is how to wait. I was chatting to Michael this week. Hi, Michael. Hope you're doing well. And one of the things he reminded me is that when we face challenge and frustration, we shouldn't see it as failure or as something bad or evil that's happening to us. The way in which Christians have looked at trial and frustration is as a trial with the knowledge this too will pass. God will work all things for the good of those 
who love him. It may be hard, but we'll see better days ahead and we can be confident even in the midst of trial. So we can wait. We can wait well. We can wait with trust and hope. We can wait on God to do what he is going to do. We can wait knowing that God is at work in the waiting. We can be patient and hold on and wait for him to do what he's going to do. As it says in James, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. As Christians, we can wait on God, knowing that the waiting is not wasted. He is at work and he'll bring blessing and fruit. So we need to know how to wait and wait well. Uh, The kind of waiting that it talks about in scripture is not a passive activity. It's an active dependence on God. Waiting is a spiritual discipline that we should seek to practice in our life. And these current times, and when we face frustration and challenge and trial, are the perfect opportunity to develop the spiritual discipline of waiting upon God. We need to know who we are as children of uh, the Father. We need to know how to wait. Finally, we need to know how to foster a healthy attitude while we're waiting. There is more than one way to wait. Our attitude actually matters when we're waiting. It's a difference between faithful, life-giving waiting and unfaithful, frustrating waiting. Uh, If you don't know what frustrating, unfaithful, impatient waiting looks like, maybe just see how a child waits for something (laughs) that is promised to them. Developing a good attitude to waiting is something that we have to learn. And God wants to teach us this important skill. While we wait on God, knowing that we're his children, knowing that he's good, knowing that we have a hope and a future and this too will pass, that helps us to be patient, to be kind, to be hopeful. As it says in Romans, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Or in Philippians, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Uh, Humility is a key attitude in waiting. Humility actually says, I've got things to learn. I've still got growing to do. I don't have all the answers. So that maybe, just maybe, here, now, in this place, God wants to teach me something or show me something or do something. During trials, 
God deals with us and addresses things that can't be dealt with in any other way. In the desert time with the people of Israel, God dealt with idolatry. He confronted the things that they were unhealthily putting their faith into. Um, During times when we don't know what to do, God often lays the foundation for the new things that are going to come. In the desert times with Israel, he formed them and built them into a nation that would then go on and live in the promised land. God was doing a new thing and he was getting them ready in the desert. That is what God does through trial if we will seek him and listen to him and have the attitude that says, God, what are you wanting to do in this place? What are you preparing for? In these times when it's uncertain, we've got permission to ask questions, to try new things, to make mistakes and learn and acknowledge we don't have all the answers. As a church, we're going into a bit of an uncertain time in the future, and I'd encourage you, ask questions, try things, have confidence that God is going to do something new, but it may not look like what has come before. Times of uncertainty and trial contain the seed of a gift. They can bring us to a better, deeper, new way of relating to God and one another. They can bring a different, fruitful way of living. God in these times can deal with things that haven't been dealt with yet. I love that. So remember who you are in Christ Jesus. Recognise that uh, we need to develop this spiritual discipline of waiting well and that as we wait, our attitude is the thing that matters, learning the humility to say, God, what are you wanting to teach us and do and prepare in this time? Christy Walker wrote this reflection. From the valley, I look up to the mountains and say, why God? Why do I have to be down here instead of up there? I've been down here so long. And into the silence, he speaks, if I'm willing to be silent enough and listen. I want to take you to the mountaintop, but you're not ready yet. The climb is hard and steep, and you must train a while longer. This valley is preparing you. Suffering and waiting produce the necessary perseverance, character, and hope that you'll need to get to the top, without which you would certainly fail. Trust me, it seems to you too long, but it's a necessary amount of time. My timing is perfect. I haven't forgotten you. I see your faithfulness and your struggle. I appreciate your honesty. I'm with you always and soon, when you're ready, we'll stand on the summit together. And when you look back down on that valley, you'll finally understand. Times of trial are a gift if we have the eyes to see it. Psalm 25 says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. And again, Psalm 27. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Why don't we pray together? Father God, we pray for our state at the moment. 
We're conscious of all the suffering and all of the uh, challenges at the moment. We're conscious that people are frustrated. Lord, we ask two things. May you help them in their frustration, give them peace, give them strength, protect them. But also, Lord, use this time of suffering to draw people to yourself. Give them the gift of knowing their identity in you, which cannot be shaken. Lord, we pray that you would teach us your ways. We pray that for us here at Glen Osmond, you would use this time and the time we're going into to uh, deal with things that you want to deal with. Lord, prepare us for what is to come next. Lay a foundation. Do what you need to do in this time to prepare us for good, fruitful life. Lord, we um, want you to have your way in us. We wait upon you. We commit ourselves to you, confident of who we are in you, confident that we can wait on you in humility and confidence that we can be hopeful and kind and good and wait well. Lord, keep us in the knowledge of your grace. Help us to follow the example of Jesus Christ. Bless us with the blessing that comes from knowing the deep things that you are teaching us in this time, we pray. Amen.